Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Hey everybody, welcome to Knife Talk. We're a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, makers, you know, you know why you're here. So we're here to keep you company. We're here to teach you a little something, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. My name is Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. With me is Mareko Momasi, bladesmith at Momasi Fire Arts, and Craig Lockwood, Chop Knives. Gentlemen, how are you? How's everybody? Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm still getting over that uh, croaky throat from last week, but um, I did a lot of traveling this week, so I think it's, it's sticking with me. But I'm okay; it's all good, all good. What, what, what's, what kind of traveling have you been doing? I now live in London for the next four to six weeks, at least, at least. Um, so yeah, we talked wow. about it last week how my wife has a uh, my wife's a contractor, so she she does work as as and when it comes, and there's an offer too good to refuse. So we've. I basically packed up the car. I, I couldn't. I was just telling my record. I couldn't fit another postage stamp in this car. It's full. Even the even heat is. In, it was in the back. Drove from France to London. My wife took the uh, the the plane with the babies, and we're we're installed in a new house for a little while. So I've got a little little workshop set up um, where I can do do my heat treating and file work and bits and pieces that I've got you know planned for this month, and that's it. So yeah, we we've. Uh, temporarily uh, move countries, should we say. And for just the Americans, when you say your wife is a contractor, she's not, you know, she's not a, she's not on a construction site. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> God, right. no. I just wanted to be that clear because everyone's just like, oh, Craig's wife's building houses. Ah, no, no. So she, 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 uh, she does like management consultant roles and ah. all via temporary contracts as opposed to be employed by somebody, you know. Very boring stuff, but she's very good at what she does, and she brings in the money, which allows me to do what I love doing. So, I can. Do you have a, a shop now, temporary shop? Yes, it's an old garage. So we're very fortunate. So we were looking on Airbnb for somewhere in London, and you know, with two babies, you know, central London is generally going to be way too expensive for a place with room. So we've moved sort of half an hour out of central London, and there's a, a super fast train that gets Amy into work in twenty minutes. But it's part of a massive country estate, and they've put on their like guest house within the estate on Airbnb. So we're like, oh, we'll take that. And it, it's like Buckingham Palace. It's amazing. We've got tennis courts. Wow. We've got swim pools. It's amazing. So we've we've landed on our feet a little bit. But uh, dude, you are, that is that is you, <laughs> the highest level. I mean, come on, man. But we're being rocked by this um, the storm Kiara at the moment. And I'm just looking out the window now, and I can see the trees are bending 45 degrees outside. It's crazy weather. Crazy, crazy. So anybody in the UK, keep keep safe this week. I think it's going to get worse. Oh, boy. Mm. Rekka, are you all right over there? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm How was your uh, week? Good. 
the week's been actually <laughs> it's actually been kind of shitty but um it, it just I, I have another knife that i have to forge i had to start all the way over on the steel again um and it's my own dumb mistake it's this weird pattern where i reincorporate like part part of the way through the forging process i add more steel to it and i missed that step and i was already like two days into it and had to start over Ugh. um actually it was at the end of the third day when i was cutting things up and i was looking at it and i was like huh that doesn't look right and then it dawned on me that i missed a step and i was like holy shit so i got to start all the way over um and so i got that all i got caught back up and got a blade forged out and uh so today i'm gonna be heat treating it um so back on back on the right path but definitely took a, a little bit of a detour well you know this is the heartache this is the heartache portion but getting through the heartaches where it's at right yeah what doesn't kill also, you makes you stronger well if you want to say that i i like i like i i always think that these things kind of put a little bit more blood in your pencil put a little yeah. bit more you know gets you gets you it makes you a better person i think sure. i think hardships are what makes you better yeah i mean it's actually like been proven through like scholarly research research that even though going through hard times and dealing with hard shit sucks it helps us grow as human beings in positive ways uh, to experience those things so i just try oh. to be positive about it ah oh. Oh, <laughs> like a therapy session, the beginning of each oh, show yes. this week. Yes, <laughs> that's the point, right? Oh, yeah. damn right. <laughs> well, you know, if that's what ends up happening. Fine, Jeff. What Fine. you been doing? It was a fucking crazy week. I, I besides um, meetings, uh, I had a little bit of. Not, I had reverse disappointment. I, I a couple episodes ago, I was talking about how I was supposed to do this uh, for this restaurant, for these restaurant friends of mine. I was supposed to do the skewer stand. And the skewer stand, I built the thing. They had a very tight deadline. So if you were a couple episodes ago, I said this restaurant wanted me to make this stand that the waiter brings these food skewers to the table and it's very, mm. you know, elegant and it's magnificent, well, blah, blah, blah. So I made it after having a conversation with the chef, having a conversation with the designer, I built it and I thought, all right, well, they have a very tight deadline. And... I said, all right, well, here it is. This is what it'll look like based on your drawings, based on what we talked about. And part of me really didn't want to do it at all because it's kind of a production. I was doing it as a favor, but at the same time, it was like, you know, the money was going to be great. Yeah. So I sent the picture in. It looked great. I didn't hear anything for a week. And after three days, Tony says to me, he's just like, have you heard anything about the, the rack? And I said, no, I haven't heard anything. I said, if I haven't heard anything now, this isn't going to happen. So a week later with like, Eight days to the, to the deadline. We didn't figure out how many we needed. They called me up. They said, well, we haven't really figured out what it's going to be, you know, if we're going to do it or not. And I said, well, listen, I, I'll make it, but I ain't going to hit your deadline. I said, I, it's going to take me three days to do all this. I got to go get the steel. I got blah, 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 blah. So finally they said, after like 12, oh, we'll give you an answer. We'll give you an answer. And, you know, at the end of the day. So they go, they say, they say, we've decided to go another direction oh. and i said and i was just like all right well you know these things happen it's fine and it had nothing to do with me and nothing to do with the design it's just obviously these knuckleheads got in a room and they were like well, what if we use a you know who knows a cabbage or whatever who knows stupid 
<laughs> so they started sending me these messages, apology messages. It's okay, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And in my mind, I'm thinking, God, this is a fucking blessing. I certainly do not want to stop three days to do this. So they sent me this message. They said, well, we'd like you to come to, we'd like you to come to the opening of the restaurant. And I'm like, I can't. And they said, why not? I said, well, because I just lost this giant job and I have to work harder. So I just started breaking the project manager's balls. Every time they sent me something, I just started crushing this project manager. It made me so happy. It was the fucking most fun thing. And, you know, I was going to do all this, but, uh, you know, I can't, I can't even, you know, how can I take a train into the city when I can't even pay my mortgage because I lost this big job? It was great. I had this person rolling for like a while. Oh, my God. And then... Um, uh, on this uh, this potential TV pitch concept, the production company sent me a message. They're kind of getting ready for the next message, the next meeting, and they put a one, one sheet together with pictures and flesh a little bit out. And then they sent me this email that was interesting. And I'm not going to really talk about the show because this is like you're all a bunch of thieves anyway. But the other thing is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, trust me, the other thing is it's fa- it's interesting from the concept of how we perceive how television is made and what really happens so he sent me this like it was it was, we just went you know our emails are very short because he just doesn't want to waste his time don't waste my time so this he explained to me how it works in this fascinating you just go and blow somebody so the way, you get a show that's how it works surely is that how it worked for you <laughs> did you get the show you didn't get the show did you all right human resources that's number one strike number one for that that move so he said what they do is he what they do is is these production companies will come up with like a handful like a basically like a deck of cards full of ideas to pitch to these studio networks so the networks have a series of executives and each executive is in charge of bringing shows to the network so all these executives are fighting each other so you know the one of these production companies will work with a specific uh, executive for the network and then what happens is, is they'll say, okay, I like this, I don't like this, I like this, I don't like this. And there's really no rhyme or reason to it. But then the executive takes <clears throat> their ideas and they're fighting other executives in the <clears throat> network to get theirs pushed or green-lighted, as they say. So it's a total fucking f- a m- food f- – it's a fight to like – for each executive to fight each other to get their content mm. in. So the chances of this happening are very slim, which I'm perfectly fine with. No problem. So he just explained to me, he's like, don't get your hopes up. We're just, the key is to get to the next, you know, meeting. And we kind of got stuff together for that. But it was interesting to me because it was like, people say, oh, it's such a great idea. You pitch the show. And it's just like, we're at the, they, they just let us through the door and we're signing in the guest book and we may be able to get in the elevator. You know, it's like, we're not, we're at, a, this is the, the very, very lowest rung of this potentially happening, yeah, which yeah completely 100% fine with. Um, but, l- but it was interesting to me because it was like that was that, that, that way. Like I said, you, if anybody's going to do this show, you're the person for it. You, it doesn't, you, but that doesn't the- matter. That's the funny part is it's like if it should happen or if it shouldn't happen, it's like you're trying to thread a needle in a fucking hurricane. Mm. It's just like it's, it's, it's the, you know, there's so many different reasons. And these all these companies are starving for entertainment. But at the same time, it's like it's executives fighting their coworkers to get their show pushed because then they get the credit. It's, it's, there's like no rhyme or reason. They don't give a fuck. P.S., Tony, Tony told me, he's like, dress, get ready, your concept, they're going to change everything. And they change up right out of the shoot. They change the name. They change this. They change that. I'm like, all right, well, it's going to be what it's going to be. 
I had to make a few corrections because I was worried about the knife making community. They were explaining what I was. It said Jeff Fader, blacksmith, forger, uh, sculptor. And I said, wait, 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 you got to take forger out. I'm like, why? Yeah. And I was like, because that's for like making money and ripping off people's identities. That's not, that's not, you covered that <laughs> with blacksmith. <laughs> forger doesn't, don't please, from all, I don't care what you, you spell my name wrong. I don't give a fuck. Don't say forger, please. I'm begging you. Um, rolled out a couple knives early because I had Friday. I had a guest. I had two pretty interesting guests. Um, one was Chris Cash from Mount Phillip Metalworks. He came up with um, my new grinder from Broadback Ironworks, and he was awesome. And he came for the day. I cleaned my shop up because he came with the newly crowned Forged and Fire champion, Paul Pinto. Mm. They came to my shop, and we had a blast. And this is this is what's interesting. So both those guys are blacksmiths. Um, Paul's awesome. Congratulations, Paul. I just won the Forged and Fire. And Mount Phillip Metalworks. Mount Phillip Metalworks. There's underscores through the whole fucking thing. Uh, Chris Cash is just a, a classy, classy guy. So he does a lot of sculpture. So it's like, right, so I got some propane. He made sure that we could forge up and... So I said to Chris, well, what do you want to do? You want to make something? The guys were like, usually when a couple blacksmiths come around and it's, you know, I'm not too late in the day, you know, what do you want to make? So he says, well, let's do the Hereford College or the Hereford Anvils, uh, Instagram Hereford Anvils, 150 millimeter challenge. Now, this is super interesting because this is something that the blacksmiths have been doing. Uh, they did it last year. Hereford College, I think it's in London. I think it's in England. Somewhere in England, Hereford, UK. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right. And they have a metalworking division, and then what they did was they started this hashtag, and basically on Instagram, 150-millimeter challenge. So basically you start off with a piece of steel that's three-quarters by three-quarters by six, and you forge something. And then you take a picture, you you know, and then you can submit it, and then they'll, what they'll do is they actually you send it to them, and they have, a, they have a show. They'll put up a show, and you can send your submissions, and then you're in this show, this worldwide show. And they try, I guess this year they're traveling, and... So Chris said to me, let's do the 155-millimeter challenge. I learned about it from the Blacksmith's Pub. Those guys did it last year, too. And we forged we forged some sculpture. It was a fun, I mean, I never thought I would actually enjoy myself like I did. And we had a good time. He's a good sculptor. He, um, Chris Cash is really, uh, he does these dragon twists bottle openers. Have you seen they this? They looked incredible. So cool. I'd never seen anything like that. It was amazing. He, he learned it from somebody else, and then he did. A, he got permission. He was. He's a good dude. He doesn't like say he created the concept. He learned it from somebody, and he says, "Listen, I want to do a video, and this is you mind." And the guy said, "Yeah, go ahead, do your thing." So he did a video that got a pile of views, and he basically. I, you watch the video. Go follow uh, Chris Cash, Mount Phillip Metalworks, and go watch his video. It's a super cool video, and basically he's cutting the steel, and then he cuts it in angles. And then he twists it. And the, the crazy thing is, is I just assume that he's when I do, you know, the cube twists or any kind of twist in steel. I'm I'm assuming, I'm I'm you know I got some soapstone and a, and, a, and a straight edge, and I'm and I'm marking out the he fucking free ball he eyeballs the whole thing, all those cuts he does he eyeballs them. It was like a little bit crazy because I thought oh, well, this thing is going to take forever. He knocked one of those things out so fast it was awesome. And so the funny thing now here we get into the funny part. So I did the sculpture that was like, you know, basically like kind of like a power hammer leaf, 
But then I started to get into, you know, trying to do something like Brancusi is a sculptor that I've always loved. He, he, his famous sculpture is Bird in Space. So I forge out this leaf and then I forge out the, you know, I upset the base so it stands up. And then I did this little kind of, you know, whatever, figure eight in the middle. So we go on Instagram Live and and this is why I'm not sure that's... I, some of you guys are crazy. So number one, number one, show. including including my my friend Breco, Breco <laughs> gets on, and we're having a good time, and people are like, you know, we're, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm trying to push the fault. 150 millimeter challenge, make something out of you know, and then I, it, it just just devolved, 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 <laughs> devolved, yeah, devolved, yeah. devolved, and Rick Hall who is a listener of the podcast, big guy, great guy, Rick, we love you. He takes a look at it and he says, that looks like my dong. (laughs) And I immediately in my mind, I'm thinking, this is why we're all not, you're all not artists. I've, I, I looked at the, uh, the bylines of the uh, Bureau of Fine Arts and in any critique Saying something looks like your dong is an ineffective, an inappropriate way of of critiquing a piece of sculpture or piece of art. It looked like my dong doesn't work. So we are laughing. I'm like, all right, fine, fine, fine. So then I get a DM from Rick, and I, he apologized. I was like, it's fine. We're having a good time. It's fine by me. And he said, I said, I said I'm going to break your balls a little bit. And he goes, fine. As long as you break Mareko's too, because it's his fault he started it. I don't know how I. Uh, he took it to a whole nother level. Well, you you got all sex chicken on me from a couple episodes ago. <laughs> we he you got you wanted to see my ass. No, I just wanted to see you walk away from the camera so we could. S- see what you were working on all right all right all right that was a good squirrel away i don't know where this is going away. this is just going down a rabbit hole yeah no it's fine it was funny because all of a sudden you set the tone for you know penis talk which is fine that's fine I completely understand so we had a good time i enjoyed it i enjoyed it it was fun we had a good you know we had a lot of laughs and i like all that shit so go go follow hereford anvil's Submit for the 150 millimeter challenge, three quarters by three quarters by uh, six. Forge something up and post it. You just mentioned um, Paul Pinto and his um, forged in fire. Do, do, do we tell people how we got on? Shall we tell people? It's it's been aired now, hasn't it? Oh yeah, 100 percent. Okay, 100. He's the champ. He's a champion. A champion. But he he sent newly minted. Yes, he sent us a nice message. So I'm going to play that out as well. So it's been a couple of days since the show aired, and I just wanted to make this quick video to thank all you guys for all the support, the messages, the comments you guys have sent me. It's been awesome. Um, it really means a lot to me. I don't think you guys know how much it means to me, um, but everyone's been so nice. They've been reposting clips of the show on their story and on Instagram. Um, it just means the world to me, and I also wanted to thank some of my close friends um, like Jeff and the guys at the Knife Talk podcast who have taught me about making knives, and I probably learned the most about knife making from those guys since I'm still pretty new to knife making. Um, and I also wanted to thank my friends like Chris Zepp, um, Derek, Ah, you don't, Jimmy, have to, you don't have to hear the rest of this. Who cares who, who cares who else he's thinking? He's us. us. <laughs> so the bottom line is, what? Guys, 
Well, congratulations to him for winning. I think I think that's the bottom line. I, I think. Well, that obviously that's the indirect. That's the indirect takeaway. But the direct takeaway is if you listen to knife talk from stem to stern, you're gonna learn shit. You're gonna be a forge and fire champion. <laughs> period. <laughs> not I mean, that's what we're saying. By I mean, the that, way, not guaranteed. <laughs> I mean, come. I mean, that's guar- I mean, come on. That's not guaranteed. <laughs> you listen to the podcast stem to stern start from the beginning you got a chance you got a chance you got a good chance that's a that's a that is a recommendation if i ever heard one you know let's also talk about um what we talked about last week so we had our um, our crime files investigates last week where we had uh, yeah. professor chris on and we talked about the the zodiac killer Right. Um, and we did ask people not to, you know, send him lots of messages with your crazy theories and so on. But we well, did send it to us. We did have God. a few theories coming in. Some were good. Some were just like, ah, really. Um, so yeah, just to briefly talk about that. So we had one guy. I can't remember who it was. Tell us, they think it could be a a, a rock wall knife. Um, yeah. For cutting sheetrock. Um, and I looked at them, yeah, it could, could well be. Um, who else did we have? I think we had a few. Well, the funny thing is, is people DM'd us thinking that we're part of the investigation. <laughs> I had to just copy and paste Chris's email address. I'm like, I don't, what, don't, don't ask me my opinion. I don't, I don't care. I mean, I, I sorry. I, I do think that of all the messages we got, I do think that, um, Jared Thatcher is the number one closest to... He actually sent me uh, one of these case knives. Apparently, these case knives... Look, he sent me a message and he says, I'm not sure if anyone sent you this, but the case butcher knives used to to come with a wooden sheath. I found one at a thrift store five years ago. It's actually hung on the belt, and here's a couple of examples. I sent him... I said, you deal with Chris, but he's uh, like a... Jared is a total conspiracy theory nut too i think he watches too many of those netflix crime dramas i think because uh he 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 was he's very persuasive so i it you know (laughs) he actually has my my telephone so he instead of dming me he just went straight to me (laughs) pictures and you know he had pictures with you know he almost had pictures with like you know the the red lines dotted and figure out all the all the murders didn't he say this could be the perfect crime for professor chris to have done himself uh, he did. He actually, he actually, one of his, that's exactly right. Uh, thank you for reminding me. He believed that the real killer might be Professor Cunningham. So, which was An great. esteemed professor. That's right. You know, that's right. Before we did that spot last week, my wife was saying, you need to be very careful what you're talking about. Because she was saying, this guy has never been caught. He's still on the loose. He's obviously unhinged. So be careful what you... Which is why I was very quiet last week doing this spot. Because oh. my wife was serious. She's like, you never know. He could come after us. And we've got kids now. We need to be very careful. I'm like, oh, yeah. Geez, you know? Let's see how old he possibly is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... My... My wife was not happy either. <laughs> Get the fuck <laughs> out of here! You both, you, you both, your wives are really thought that this old. They thought that this old geezer is going to come out of the woodworks. <laughs> Possibly. Hey, he's crazy enough to kill people. Who knows if it's if the person's still alive? Why wouldn't they still want to kill somebody? Okay, but so he's based off the West Coast, and for whatever reason, Washington State has an unusual number number of serial killers who quote unquote. <laughs> Retire here <laughs> retire. to do their crazy. <laughs> yeah, this is, is that the retirement capital of of the United States? It might be. It might be actually. It's like, oh, we're but, off to Florida. We're done. 
but guys, guys. So if this ha- if this happened in the 1960s, and let's just say for argument's sake that he was 20, he would be 80 right now. Jeff, tell my wife. Don't tell me. Tell my wife. Well, what about the movies made? Won't you think he'd go after like River Phoenix or, or Joaquin Phoenix or something? We could have been the missing. those Phoenixes were in the fucking movie. We could have been the missing piece in the puzzle that managed to solve this, and he could, you know, he could be up we against not. us for that reason. The only missing piece would have been is if it was Chris Cunningham. Uh, there's no, we didn't solve anything. I mean, we were really feckless. I, now I realize why everyone was so quiet. You're all worried that he's going to come after us on our shitty podcast. <laughs> I mean, our fine podcast. So what we did learn from last week is that Jeff's wife doesn't care about him so much. She knows he, she's like me. She's like, you don't want, he, she don't, he don't, I'm not solving any crimes. I didn't, she's like, don't worry. Let's just, you know, she was, yes, the answer is yes. She's like, yeah, maybe you'll come and knock you off. No. no. Let's get on with some uh, news. This is Marco Malmasi reporting from the Icebox Studios. Uh, <laughs> looking at the calendar, there there actually isn't anything coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, until, again, March, the first weekend in March. Uh, but I do want to let people know that the calendars are still awa- available. Yeah, they're available. Available. They're available. Uh, <laughs> on my website, uh, Um And, yeah, so that's it for calendar events. <laughs> But, uh, Jeff, you you got Doghouse coming up, right? Yeah, I'm going to be down in Doghouse Forge February 29th through the March 1st. And there there may or may not be a couple. If you're in Lakeland, Florida, and you want to hang out and make some stuff, come on down. Go to Doghouse Forge. And Ben Snoor's Hammer Fundamentals is the 14th and 15th of March. Definitely. He's making some amazing tongs for that hammer-making class. You're going to learn a pile if you go take that class with Ben. He's an awesome guy. And you're dealing with two rootin' tootin' cowboys. JP was a cowboy, a re- official cowboy, and so, so is Ben. So if you want to get your, you want to get, you want to hang out with a couple of rootin' tootin' farrier cowboys, them's the guys to be was with. Do you think they refer to themselves as rootin' tootin'? No, nobody does. That's <laughs> that is that is a hundred percent. I'm referring to them as rootin' tootin' cowboys. The New Yorker. That's right. That's right. They're not. They don't. You honestly, you honestly think a cowboy refers to themselves as root and tootin'? No, an outsider would refer to them as a root and tootin'. No. Uh, also, uh, coming up next month, actually, uh, so people can start planning travel and everything. Travis Ward's Hammer in uh, is coming up uh, in Casa del Grande, Arizona. It's March 14th and 15th. There's a bunch of really great uh, presenters that are going to be there. Um, but I just want people to start thinking about it now because, uh, yeah, coordinating travel and where you're going to stay and everything obviously takes time. So, uh, take a look at that on Travis Wart's website, um, on his shop page. It's got all the information about the, the hammering. Cool. And have you seen the chef knives coming out of the, the New England School of Metalworks classes? Nick Ross has got these guys forging and making these beautiful chef knives. Guys who've never made chef knives before are making really 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 nice projects and i'm actually like i'm trying to figure out how they did some of the handles and i I, definitely go to new england school of metalwork and take one of their classes if you want to step up your game it's worth the investment new england school of metalwork.com combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers 
available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! Do it now! And oh, I was speaking to somebody this week about Combat Abrasives and they didn't realise that they also do stuff. If you just got one of those little 1x30 uh, grinders, they do stuff for that as well. So take a look at yeah. Combat Abrasives. Make sure you're using the promo code, get the discount, uh, 15% off. But yeah, it's not just for guys with big 2x72s. They've got specialist stuff there as well. Any size you want, they can make it for you. Yeah, um, yeah I got a buddy. Oh, after <laughs> you, sir. <laughs> I was just going to say real quick, I got a buddy. I was I helped set up with them. He's got a grinder that uses a 19-inch wide by 60-inch long belt. And uh, and they can build and they can make that for him. So cool. Yeah, they have, do all kinds of sizes. Have you ever seen what is? You know what? Uh, you guys are gonna make the jokes. Fine. Have you, you know what a stroke sander is? A what? Sorry. A fucking I'm sure you're sander. very familiar with. Listen, that. you bastards. Listen, this is a real metal. This is a real metal working project. Uh, sure. Piece is. of equipment. It's called a stroke sander. The it's it's for making satin finish on uh, railings or on uh, like uh, bumpers for elevators and satin finish on stainless steel. The belts are six inches wide by twenty feet long. Jesus Christ! It's it's like and it's like you know each belt is like up two hundred dollars and it's for and basically you it's two wheels. And then you, and it's facing parallel. The, the the cutting edge of the of the uh, the belt is facing the the table. You move the table with your piece on it, and you hold down a block, and you hold the backside of basically like a slack belt, and you're doing the satin finish. It's the craziest. I did that for a couple of years when I was at uh, Pax and Metalcraft. We did it with these stroke staters. The belts were six inches by twenty feet long. It was crazy. Called a stroke sander, not the best name. Mm. And they sell them as combat, I assume. I don't think they do. Oh. Fine. No one of these motherfuckers in this sh- listening to this podcast have a stroke sander anyway. Story. They're the stroke sander. <laughs> cool story, right? bro. Yeah, cool story, bro is right. I'm actually going to order it today. I got to get some 36 grit shutter belts. Why do you build along? Build along. <laughs> it, it always surprises me, and I never get sick of it. So the build along this week, I haven't been able to do anything myself for the Knife Talk build along because I've been traveling a lot. But um, I know a lot of you have been. So people have been sharing the Knife Talk BA hashtag. So I'm just let's just take stock of where we are. So the in the first week, we designed the knife and we um, profiled it. We had our shape. Um, we then talked about you know the drilling and then all the rest of it. Um, after that, which was last week, we did the or the week before rather, we did the heat treat. Um, and this week was all about the bevel grinding. So I'm a step behind. I haven't actually done the bevel grinding yet, um, but I know a lot of people have. Um, and I, again, knife talk BA. You can see the pictures of what people are doing, and it's just really nice to see the the differences people are making to the knives. So you know the, the core of the knife is the same, but we've got these so many different versions of the knife. So let's talk about the um, the next step, which is going to be putting the handles on. Um, pins and all the rest of it and finishing the knife where are you at in the, in this in this stage at the moment jeff have you done anything this week um i am a week behind Ugh. i heat treated i well look life gets in the way of these things. oh i know yeah. what can you do yeah. um i have uh cut the bevels i've drilled the holes 
and I heat treated and tempered my knife, and I have not gotten to grinding it. Cool. Okay. I'm bad. Okay. Well, it's funny, actually, because we were doing this series, you know, each week doing a different stage, but some people have just gone, you know, they got excited and they've gone straight on. They finished their knives as well, so that's really nice to see. Um, but with regards to putting a handle on and using pins and so on, um, I'm going to be using um, a couple of brass Corby bolts. Um, I will I will put a video together of this, but it's probably going to be down the line a little bit a little bit further. Um, but I'm just thinking for a this bushcraft style of knife, um, what would make for a good handle? What do we think? Um, we're talking G10. We're talking wood. We're talking stabilizing the wood. What what would be the ideal choice? Do you think? Well, I might do. I'm, I've been getting some wood from friends of mine that I might use. Ben Snur sent me some. Uh, what's so funny? Is that a fucking uh, dick joke? <laughs> I gonna are you seriously? I wanna that that's what fucking does it. I never know with you. I get some wood from my friend. Is that's what did it? Are you kidding me? Uh, I get some wood from my friend. Okay. And that's what I'm gonna use. A friend with benefits. I, <laughs> that's seriously I, I never know with you I never know with you I never know what I'm going to say that's going to come out incorrectly uh, fine we got you. I'm was going it... to go ahead what, what wood does your friend regularly give you <laughs> it's hardwood no um, I don't man I don't know man you got me all like toots I'm, I'm on pins and needles I'm not I'm on eggshells I don't know I'm going to say something mm. and it's going to sound remotely you know inappropriate <laughs> Let, let, I'm going to use some hard ass wood. How do you like them apples? There we go. There we go. I mean, I've been thinking the this is a different style of knife that that I'd normally make. I don't normally make bushcraft knives at all, um, and it'd be used in a different way. So we talked last week. It's going to be used. It's going to be battened. It's going to be you know. It's going to be left outside maybe for some time and all the rest of it. So I've been thinking about what I'm going to be using as a as a handle, um, and I've got loads of stabilized walnut which I've had for a while now, which I've done loads of jobs on recently. Um, so I think I'm going to be using that. Um, but, um, I, I mean, I just mentioned using brass Corby bolts. But what I did see this week, which I've never seen before, are pins made with this, like, luminescent stuff. So huh. it sort of glows in the dark. And I'm thinking what? maybe for a bushcraft knife, a camp knife, that guy, it could be quite handy, you know, being able to – you're often going to put the knife down and just being able to see it. So I think I may try that now, actually, um, get some of those luminescent uh, pins. Or uh, rods, at least. Yeah, may try that. Hmm. You know what I think I might do is I think I might just keep it a, a simple wooden handle with white cloth tape on the front of the knife. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's what I normally like. That's what you, that's what we've used in the past. Yeah, that's what I've used in the past. Just one long strip of white cotton tape <laughs> at the front, the twelve inch by the bolster, mm. and then you know I might make a wooden handle. Or I make make a wooden sheath, you know. Yeah. So it would work. It would work. Mm. Would it? <laughs> would it? Would it? Marek, what right. do you think for this kind of knife? What do you think would be an, an ideal handle material, and uh, what would you use? Uh, I would probably opt for a synthetic of some sort, like a Micarta or G10, something that's going to be able to handle being left out. Uh, it, you know, out if you, you know, leave it out in the woods or accidentally or drop it into the lake or whatever, or the if river. You know, trying to get rid gonna... of evidence, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you 
he's buried in somebody's chest. Um, then, uh, you know, it can handle having that kind of, uh, moisture exposure as well as, you know, if you're going to be using it to baton wood, you can, um, it's kind of like more shock resistant and less likely to potentially split or come apart, Mm. uh, using a synthetic like that. So I, I've never used my carter before. I've used G10 a few times, not not very often. Um, but I've never used my carter. So, I mean, what is the difference? They're both sort of layered up, aren't they, with the resin? What, what, what's the difference between a... What, what defines a G10 as opposed to a my carter? Anybody know? Well, my hatred. My hatred for paper my carter is the difference between my carter and G10. Really? <laughs> I fucking hate paper my carter. I don't burn? like the way it looks. I don't like the way it finishes. I don't. I, the only micarta I actually like is canvas. I like tan canvas micarta, and I like green um, tan uh, canvas micarta. But that paper can paper micarta. I can go fuck away off. I, I seriously, I hate it. I hate the way it looks. I hate the way. It, I hate everything about it. What's the issue with it? Does it you burn? Just, is it? What, what's it's the just, thing? It just the finish. I just don't like the way the. the I don't like the way the the way it looks. One of the things I love about G10 is I like. The way that the layers of the... I don't think it's like fiberglass. The way the layers look, I just think it looks nice. But Paper Micarta, there's something about it that just looks a little bit... It's just the finish always looks a little bit just not pro. It's just, I don't... It's for me, I don't like it. Okay. Well, our our friend and listener, Laramie Jackson, uses uh, Paper Micarta. He's got... He does a really incredible job. Uh, I think he uses it often as the bolsters on his folders. And he gets such a glitch. Actually, the first time I ever saw one, I asked what it was, and he told me it was Paper McCarter, and I couldn't believe it because of how clean and how high of a nice finish it took. Um, it is time. It sounds His process sounds time-intensive, but... If you're gonna make it work, you know you might as well take the time I'm, to do it right. And, he um, makes amazing folders. I, you know, yeah. it's obviously these things aren't, you know, these are personal issues. These are not. These are my <laughs> own personal issues. Mm. I'm obviously True. not good enough. I mean, I'm looking at Laramie's stuff right now, and his work is so intense that it's just like, that's fine. I'm a, my 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 hatred base is based on my own failure. How do you like that? <laughs> that's what that, I, I think. That's he awesome. doesn't. He's incredible. Yeah, he's he makes paper my car look amazing. Cool. So remember, if you're doing this build along and you've got some pictures, or you know, however far down the road you are, that this video's up online. And I said, just search the hashtag um, Knife Talk BA on Instagram. You'll see lots of people's versions of it. The the build along has been sponsored by KnifePrint.com, and we used them in, in the very first week when we were designing the knife. So for anybody who hasn't used any sort of um, computer based design program for knives knifeprint.com is the one to use because it's super, super simple. There's nothing to install. It's all done by a browser. So you just fire up Chrome, go to knifeprint.com, and you can start designing um, for free too. They've got, they've got free plans. So you can just start designing a knife. It's, 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 it's like a 2D CAD program, which sounds quite confusing if you don't know what CAD is, but they've got a library of tutorials, a video tutorial showing you how to use it, and it's super, super simple. And the really unique thing about knifeprint.com is it does what it says on the tin. You can actually print the knife, and they'll um, cut it out of steel. Uh, you choose the steel. You choose the stock that you want. They'll cut them out, and they'll send them straight to your front door. So go take a look at knifeprint.com. If you do want a, a, a pro account, you can get 10% off by using the promo code KNIFETALK. Uh, but knifeprint.com, it's really good. Go take a look. 
May I may I do a quick sm- slap and tickle sure. in regards to this whole thing? Sure. We we enjoy a joke or two. And I enjoy enjoy a joke as anyone does. Scale burns scale burns and stale memes. I like what you're doing. But sometimes you're cutting, you're biting the hand that feeds you. Yes, well, what you're doing, well. S- listen to me, Stelter. You're getting a little bit fresh. Okay? <laughs> Sometimes you got my fucking face as your thing with the light laser beams coming out. <laughs> I know that in between classes, you're running this page. In between recess and lunch <laughs> of whatever school you're at. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Okay? We, I love you. You're great. But just don't bite the hand that feeds you. Okay? There we go. Hey, man. Can I ask you a question? All right. This is the point of the podcast where we ask you, the listener, to ask us questions, and we will try to answer them as best we can, or we won't. So so the first question comes from Nine South Knives. How long do you, you guys usually spend hand sanding? Oh, as little as possible. Oh, it, it completely depends whether it's a, a table knife or a, a chef knife. Um, a table knife can be done in, I'd say, 10, 15 minutes. If you take, I generally take it to sort of 220, maybe 400 on a belt, um, then use Rhino Wet. Um, and yeah, 10, 15 minutes tops to do both sides. Um, I don't take it to a mirror finish, take it to a satin finish. Um, a chef knife. Oh, excuse me. A chef knife, on the other hand, um, that can take 30, 40 minutes maybe to get to that same level. Um, and, and yeah, it depends what kind of finish you're after. Um, but, you know, I, I always make sure that I do the, the spines by hand as well, um, but they can take literally minutes, um, again, using Rhino Wet. And I make these little strips, and I got, I've got envelopes with all the different grits, right? And I just, and just plow through them. Um, but yeah, as as little as possible is the answer. Um, I don't take things up to a mirror finish. If I did, I'd hate it. Um, but yeah, half an hour is is enough to do a chef knife. I think. Wow. What do you think, Bracco? That's pretty lickety split. That's super lickety split. I um, I I agree. I try to do uh as. Uh, I, I I want hand sanding to take as little time as possible, but it it's never done until it's done right. <laughs> and so for me, sometimes hand sanding with the kind of like and you know I'm because I have the uh, the integral bolster transitions and everything. It's a little kind of more of a pain in the ass um, and time consuming. And so sometimes it can take up take upwards of two or three hours to hand sand one blade. Um, so that's when I just like it sounds like from what we see on Instagram, most everybody else, that's when they turn on their podcasts and just kind of yeah. zone out and sand away. So what what finish would you go up to if you hand sand in? I take it up to eight hundred. Okay. So a nice satin hand stroked eight hundred. I'm looking at you, Jeff. God damn sex chicken. Why are you Boy. starting? You're not looking at me. Stop looking at me. Don't worry about me. Um, Turn your camera off. All right, all right, I got you. I yeah, I ended up getting a disc sander for the to cut down on on hand sanding, and and that's huge. That's been huge. And the, you know, we all know what hand sanding is, which you're changing the scratch pattern in your knife to do 
um, from heel to tip and you're creating that nice satin finish. So I, because I use 440C and it's very wear resistant, it usually after the hand sander, I can get, if I'm cooking, cooking, I can get um, an 800 satin finish, a simple, easy, very no, no frills, 800 satin finish in about 50 minutes. 50 minutes and it a lot of it has to do with the fact that i'm prepping the uh the material on the disc sander and i'm taking off all the lines from the grinder and it it's huge it takes off all those peaks so i'm not i'm getting to the valleys much quicker the disc sander takes me gets a lot of that that down so it's much easier and um i like this you know we talk about uh um that satin finish and, and hand sanding and or some people say hand rubbing and one of the things that I've always felt is that it helps your eye watch the direction of the knife it doesn't it, and, and it's that's for me I mean that's completely my opinion but if you're if you are hand sanding you know what you should do is you should use Rhino Wet from Indasi USA this is great sandpaper and it's the kind of sandpaper that's going to you're going to say to yourself how good could it possibly be and then you get some and you're going to say why did i wait so long so if you go to texas farrier supply get yourself some rhino wet just if you don't believe me just go get a pack of 220 get a 50 pack of 220 and see what you think and trust me you're going to like it and if you put in knife talk 10 to texas farrier supply you will get 10 percent off your order so get yourself some Indasi USA Rhino Wet. You won't regret it. Nobody says they regret it. Nobody. Nobody. And get your 10% off at Texas Farrier Supply. Knife Talk 10. Nice, nice. Just another question regarding that. Do you guys like to um, like use, use it wet or do you, you keep your paper dry? Um, what's your preferred choice? I do it dry. I... I... You know what? I started to do it dry after hearing Mareko saying he does it dry. You know what? I snap exactly the same. I always used to do it wet, and only recently I changed the dry, and I just prefer it. It's yeah. I but cleaner. I do I do like the wet because I in my mind and I've convinced myself this is not science. This is me my opinion. Is I feel like when you the dirt and the and the steel filings and the little schmutz slurry becomes a fucking polishing slurry like i get less j hooks maybe it's just my thought maybe i'm just maybe i'm wrong but i, I feel like it helps with the abrasion but you know i who know whatever works for you i do both i think that slurry also is commonly referred to as swarf oh, by some folks now what is it oh it's cur- when you torch cut a piece of steel the gluck on the end is called kerf. So you have swarf and you have kerf. Look at that. I thought swarf was like, let's say you used a, a lathe and uh, the stuff that comes off that you cut in. That stuff, I thought, I always thought that was swarf. And I always thought the kerf was the stuff that you remove by the thickness of the blade, like on a bandsaw, for example. Right. Well, the kerf is, yeah. the, is, the, is the burr after whatever the cut is. It's the burr, not the remove. Okay, okay. What? The kerf. Oh, no, the, cur- the kerf. But a blade oh, has a kerf, doesn't it? A blade sh- could be a 0.5 yeah, No, when you're, to- when you're torch cutting it's something. It's called a saw kerf. It's what's left, the, the gap that's left by the, either the saw blade or the torch. The, it's the gap. That gap is called the kerf. Yeah. 
I thought it was the. Right, well, there you go. Learn what do you know? Shipwright skills. We need your help. Yeah. Shipwright skills. Keith. Yeah. Isn't he a woodworker? All right. Well, I didn't know Kerf was a woodworking thing. All right. Well, you learned something. I may be wrong. Day. That's just that's just why. It was you know cool. what? Guess what, guys? Craig, you're not wrong. <laughs> that's a change. <laughs> Craig. <laughs> Fine. On onward. Okay, Wildcraft uh, Knives. Um, yeah. And that's that's Olivia, isn't it? We've had yes. on the show in the past. Certainly have. She's been quenching in her park's AAA plastic five-gallon bucket for a while until she switched over to a metal tube, and she's saying, how bad is it to quench in plastic? I don't... I don't think... Uh-oh. Sorry. Ding, ding. My bad, Jeff. I'm, ba- I'm bad at uh, this. I thought I hit it, and I didn't. <laughs> I don't think it's a necessarily a bad thing to quench out of a plastic bucket, except if your blade is blazing hot and you accidentally drop it to the bottom mm. of that bucket. It's going to burn, melt right through that bucket. That is the biggest concern that I've ever had. I've, I've quenched out of plastic buckets. and it, Unless you're doing several blades, like, I mean, like either you or Jeff would be doing, you guys, um... Then, well, I guess you're doing it between plates. But anyways, if you're doing a lot of blades, then that oil is going to get really hot. One, it's going to get too hot to even really be an affecting quenchant. Um, but it's also, that heat's going to transfer to the bucket. And I don't know what the heat tolerance is for those kind of plastics. And you know, I had a space heater next to a plastic bucket and yeah. it started to melt. So, yeah. and it wasn't that far sure. away. I'm with you. Right. If you touch a fire, if you're quenching and you touch... You touch the side of that bucket, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a, a fryer a fryer burnout, and you're you could have like a you could have to get some cat litter because it's gonna be oily on your floor. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, I've seen cat litter on your floor. I had a yeah. I had an oily. I've seen cat litter on a lot of shop floors actually. Well, it's it's to get rid of the it's to absorb all that oil. Yeah. Makes sense. P.S. Wildcraft knives beats the shit out of people if you give her fritz and it is always good <laughs> and it always it's ends awesome. up it always ends up she does a father joke or a mother joke and i always howl with laughter <laughs> so if you want to get fresh with her get ready because she goes for the knees she goes for the she knees. is kick-ass so yeah i interviewed her on the sort of original format of the show so go back and listen to that she built her own shop and everything she's incredible Brutal. She brutal. She gonna get it to you. You're gonna think you're being clever, and she gonna give it to you. So, <laughs> love it. All right, this next one's from at Mag Knives. Uh, can you make an edge too fine? I sold a knife that was the sharpest I've gotten. Cut through paper towel. Push cut uh, was effortless. Customer said edge was lost after three cuts in a pork chop. He also got this patina right away. Um, man, I feel like I fucked this one up. Ten ninety five with ferric etch and polish. What do yeah, you think? even definitely go too far. Um, and it, it's that trade off always, isn't it? Whether it's um the geometry of the blade, or it could even be from the heat treat as well. Whether you think it, you want it to be hard or tough, and and again with the with the geometry, whether you want it to be super sharp. But if so, you're not going to be using it to you know chop through meat. Um, it's always a trade off. So yeah, you've got to think what the knife is going to be used for in both cases heat treat and geometry sure well my first question would be um well one what 
side what kind of knife like it's not clear if it's a chef's knife or it's a like a paring knife or something like that but then also if the person is using it on a pork chop was it in the preparation preparation of cooking or were they cutting on a ceramic plate and then they're bitching because it lost the edge like nothing's gonna hold an edge very well if you're cutting on a ceramic plate um yeah or it could Especially be at a, like high carbon like 1095 could be a 10 inch knife with a wood handle and and a white strip on the on the on the front you know with some, serrations. some pole maybe serrations there, yeah. have some respect jesus jesus that'd be 30 <laughs> or 40 years ago relax no one ain't coming after no one listening to this podcast and don't worry about it you go too thin uh, and you gotta have a little bit of material behind it you can't just have like yeah. a, i mean you can't just you know, or exacto knives don't hold their edge either. You know, some of them you gotta, you gotta have a bit of beef behind that blade. A little bit. Well, yeah, you, I think designing geometry for what the actual use is, like obviously an axe versus a scalpel, are very different. Um, but also, what the grit, like the the fineness, I guess you take the edge to when you're sharpening it. A lot, I think some people. I've seen uh, chef's knife sharpeners or people who are chef's knife enthusiasts taking knives to like 10,000 grit, 30,000 grit, and which is it is an incredible polish and is it is very, very sharp. But that is not a practical edge in the kitchen. A uh, more practical uh, edge would be around 1200 grit or something like that because it's just going to keep that toothiness that cutting action way better than a razor sharp edge again you know people you can take it almost anything up to a razor sharp edge but is it actually being used as a razor i mean if you're just shaving hair sure it'd be great but if you're chopping through wood or you're working on a cutting board all day that's not going to work and if you have a long ass uh burr if your burr's, you know, your burr is super long, it's going to bend over right away and it's not going to, you know, you could be razor blade for a piece of paper, but if the burr burrs over, rolls over like a lot of people's do, it's not going to do anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, you know something I did this week talking about that that final um sharpened edge. Um I was I was finishing a bunch of knives. And um, they'd already been sharpened, they were ready to go, and I just noticed this, it wasn't even a scratch, it was just this small sort of speck on one of the blades. So I thought, all right, I'll just use a, a ultra, ultra fine um, service conditioning belt and just quickly go over that, just to get rid of it. It was only one tiny little spot, just to get rid of that. I did that, and this dulled the blade, like, within seconds. So for any reason oh, wow. you want to dull a blade, maybe with some testing or anything like that, just use a service conditioning belt. And that'll dull your blade within seconds. Well, there you go. Top so, tip for making something bad I've <laughs> yeah. something I've started doing uh, within the last years has been um, actively, actually, after sharpening my knives uh, just before sending them out, has been I have a uh, cutting board in my sh- workshop, and uh, I'll go through and I'll I'll put it through a hundred or a couple hundred rock chops as if I'm doing prep work with mm-hmm. the knife. And then I'll take a look at the edge, and I have accidentally sharpened the the knife at too fine of a geometry, and and if it happens to start pull, you know, I start seeing flat areas or um, 
kind of weaker areas because the geometry is too fine then I go back and I reestablish and resharpen the knife at a, a slightly more robust angle so that it can withstand that kind of use because first and like while our knives may pr be pretty and like first and foremost they're tools and they should perform like them and and yes you know doing paper uh, edge tests cutting through paper towels and, and paper and all that kind of stuff like that'll give you an, a sense of what's happening along the edge and whether it's sharp or not but ultimately you should do some testing in the actual practical form of what it's going to be used um and so yeah i i do rock chops i even do i i chop like tap tap chopping like i'm like i'm mincing chives or something like that um against that board too just you know, impacting it slightly, just to get a feel for how it how it's holding up. In in regards to the paper test, one of the things that I'm always fascinated with is I can I can also tell the sharpness based on the sound of it going through the paper. Like mm, there's sure. a giant. It's like weld. You know, with welding, you know, a lot of it is your hearing. How you can hear how the weld's going, but when you're cutting through paper, there's a, so many different sounds based on the sharpness. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just finish up with him. Uh, he, he says they got, it got a patina right away. Well, I mean, it's going to get a patina right away. It's not like the steel says, all right, on the third cut, I'll start to patina. You know, it's... Yeah, there's not much you can do that apart from oil, oil the blade. I um, think that your customer hit the bone of the pork chop. That's what I think. And I think that he also might have, you know, didn't like that he didn't realize what was going to happen. That's what I think. I think that this... I yeah. think that this particular customer, if he complained that it got a patina right away, he don't know what he's talking about, or he didn't realize. Mm. Moving on, I'm with you, Mag Knives. I don't think that I don't think you're bad. I think you're good. I think you're customer <laughs> dope. Customer ch sucks. pork chop mental patient. Who's <laughs> pork chops anyway? Talking about a, a bad customer breaking a knife. So my my mother-in-law, I made a knife for her. She had a, quite a big birthday. I won't say what it was. I like to keep my balls on my on my body. But um, are you sure? She'd cut them off. She'd cut them off. You're, but um, what? I, I made her. I made her a knife for her a birthday, and and um, her husband was using it. So my father-in-law was using it a couple of weeks ago, and um, I'd heard through the grapevine that he broke the knife. He just broke the blade. I'm just like, how the hell oh, would he would he do? Because she wanted an, an ultra fine chef knife, you know, super super, you know, for yeah. slicing that kind of thing. I was like, what the hell? She said, oh, he was um, butchering in a chicken, and he was battening the, the spine of this chef knife through a through a big fat bone. Uh, and I was just like, oh Jesus Christ! So yeah, I think a lot of it is speaking to the customer, finding out what they're going to be using the knife for, and um, picking new materials and mm -hmm. heat treating geometry based on what they're going to be using it for. I had yeah, I had a customer who said my son was playing with the knife and jammed it into the cutting board and it broke the tip off. Can you fix it? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'll fix it. But you gotta talk to your kid, and you probably don't. Yeah. Young kid probably shouldn't. Oh, be. you know it wasn't the guy's kid. Yeah. That guy's the dummy, and he fucking. Did I it. don't. <laughs> maybe you're right. Maybe, you know, I know this guy. Maybe you're right. Maybe he did say. Maybe you're 100 percent right. You know, fuck. You know, fuck, you could be right. <laughs> Let's you, evaluate the evidence. How come you couldn't? How come of, you guys? One of Jeff's could, friends. All of a sudden, you guys are like. <laughs> you guys are like the best investigators. When it comes to like last week, you guys sucked. But since today, all of a sudden, you guys got to figure. We are all, all of a sudden we're all super smart. We're off the hook now. We're off the. We we know there's not a murder yeah. out after us now. We're off the hook. Yeah. We're good. Coming to you with a in a wheelchair. <laughs> I'm gonna get you. 
Blood Mountain Her Craftsman asks, Hey guys, what's your favourite handle material and why? Um, and he just says, Thanks for the podcast. Makes his three hour Monday commute a bit more bearable. He listens to it twice. Yeah, yeah three hour Christ. commute. So, yeah, favourite handle material and why? Let's start with Morocco. Um, I I prefer natural woods. Uh, and out of all the different natural woods I've ever worked with, Buckeye Burl, I love the figure and colouring of Buckeye Burl, which is kind of like this, almost like a blue-gray, kind of stony-gray colour um, with blondes mixed in and all, all kinds of curls and burls and eyes and stuff. It's really, really interesting wood. I love it. That's mine. Mm-hmm. What about Jeff? I used to be, I used to only love G10 because I liked fooling around with the colors, but I've really started to get into hard wood <laughs> from my friends. And I'm hoping, <laughs> oh I'm hoping to get some beef wood from my friends in Australia. Beef wood? Never yeah, heard of it. Never seen it, it never used it, only heard about it. I want to be able to say that this knife is made with beef wood. There you go. I'd say the same wood. I just love that sort of natural feel to it. I love how even when you're making a set, that everyone is slightly different, um, and you you know you see all these crazy spirals and shapes in a natural wood. I, yeah, I love it. But um, I've been doing a lot more of sort of synthetic stuff over the last well the last few months with these recycled plastics, that kind of thing. And I've been given a lot of thought recently about how how. F- much further I could take that with regards to sort of sustainability within, and handles. Um, and I've got some really cool stuff coming up in the future, which I won't quite talk about yet. But I think it's, it's certainly wood at the moment. Um, but I think even if you're using a, a hardwood, try and get it from a good source. Uh, and if you're using some of these sort of like African hardwoods, you know, you can get, you know, certified stuff that they know it's been taken from a place where it's, it's regrowing just as quick. Um, but yeah. Wood, I like it. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> now, one of our co- <clears throat> one of our listeners a while ago has told told made, made mentioned to me that there are some woods that are illegal. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's redwood or rosewood. Do you guys know anything about this, sure about- or should we cut this part out of the podcast? No, there, there, there certainly is. There certainly is a lot of illegal woods to use. Um, I, I think rosewoods you're good with. I'm not quite sure, but um, a lot of the African hardwoods. Um, they're just completely non-sustainable. You know, they're they're not growing anymore, and they're cutting down, and they they cost a right. fortune. Um, but yeah, they're, they're they're illegal to import into into lots of countries. Yeah. Huh. And then there are those burl thieves. Have you heard about these guys like cutting down trees and like uh, redwood burls and cutting down to sell the burls? Have you heard oh, about geez. that? Really? Jeez. Yeah, oh. these motherfuckers. They'll get a chainsaw and a, and a ladder, cut this tree down just for the burl and sell the burl. That's big. Bastards. Thieves. Thieves. Haythen Brook Steelworks says, I've got <laughs> got a question for you, cute little bitches. Jeez. Jesus. This is aggressive stuff. Seriously. Gotta call human resources. <laughs> How many tools need to be used before a knife isn't handmade anymore? If your steel is being cut out by a laser and your bevels are being made with a jig or mill, is that really handmade? What do we think? I don't. People get pigeonholed into these things, and it's like we, we, you know, it, what's the, what are we, what are what are our cutoffs? You know, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What yeah. I mean, everything is so speculative, and I understand what he's saying, and 
I know that there's people who are saying, you know, I told you about the story. I had a guy come into my shop looking for a job, and he said, you use a jig? That's cheating. I, you know, I told him to get out. You know, it's like, where do we draw the line, and <laughs> who really, why is anyone mad about it? But at the same time, you shouldn't be lying. I mean, what do you guys think? It, like you said, how far back down the line do you go? You know, is he is he smelting his own steels? Is you know what what you know how far are you going to go for that? But I think if the majority of the work has been done by a single person, as opposed to dishing everything out to various factories and all the rest of it, um, I, I'd say it's still handmade. We're all using machinery. We're all using drill presses and grinders and you know heat treating ovens and so on. But you know we're not doing it completely by hand. Um, but I think we, it's important that we share our process. Um, and I, a lot of us do this, you know, using Instagram and so on, because it's it's a selling tool for us anyway to do that. But but by sharing the process, people understand how things are being made. Um, and I think that, yeah. that the whole phrase handmade now, it's, you know, the lines are blurred. I use a little CNC machine for my handle materials. Um, I quite often will use laser or water jets to get to get things cut because at the end of the day it's a business and I need to make money. Um, but I'm not deceiving people with you know telling people how they're being made. I'm, I'm quite open about that, but I'd still consider them to be handmade. Right. Well, and I think you're doing a good job of being transparent and also like cutting out the the handle material or having the blades water jet like. That's monkey work. Like, exactly. If somebody's yeah, yeah. pissed off because you didn't cut it out by hand with rocks, they can shut the fuck up. Um, but I think to me, it's more of a question of like when they like. Uh, sorry, handmade is more of a question of automation versus you know, hands-on, like like operating a machine. So if somebody is using a a, a mill to cut a slot in a guard or something like that. They're still doing it by hand. They're using that tool by hand to run it back and forth and cut it just right how they want it. Um, if they're automating that, that's I guess that's a different thing. And I, I, I feel like that wouldn't be a handmade process or that wouldn't be a handmade process, yeah. Um, but also, I think, you know, people get up in arms about, like I said, about some of the stupid work that isn't really it doesn't matter like if the holes are laser cut or hydro cut in uh in in the tang of the knife like what does that matter like if if i did that by hand or not uh, what's important and i think it's actually realistically like jeff has said before like he's trying to get a good product to people at a at a what he feels like is a, a reasonable price and by cutting some of that shit out that helps save money for the end consumer and um and it's also that it's a lot of that stuff it just is not important drilling holes cutting out blades it's not important what's really important is what it actually ends up looking like how it actually ends up feeling and how it actually ends up performing and that's where those hands come into play and i think that's where it's more important yeah i think increasingly as well more and more people are going to be using things like cncs as the prices come down um, but it's easy for us to forget yeah. that people just think, okay, you just press print on your CNC and you've got your, your, yourself a knife blank. Um, it's not. There's a, there's a whole lot of skill you need to learn for that as well. So, sure. okay, maybe the, the phrase handmade isn't quite there, but the, the skill set involved is is huge. 
you know, and it, people are skilling themselves up to use these new kinds of machineries and so on. Right. Yeah, I think over the next over the next decade, I think these are going to become a lot more prevalent as the prices are coming down. People are making consumer versions of big industrial machines, um, and I think it's great. It's going to get more and more people into making um, and allowing more and more people to be creative. There's also this perceived value in regards to not only the product, but how, <clears throat> pardon me, how things are done. There are people who feel, and I still, even to this day, I get, I get messages when if I forge a knife, someone will say, oh, not that's a real knife, not like the stock removal knife. And there's this strange pecking order and a perceived value on what's more valiant or uh, important. And it's like, the only thing I can say is I understand. I completely understand. When I first met Nick Anger, who I love, I love Nick Anger. He, he nicknamed me stock removal. He called me stock removal in the class. He said, hey, stock removal, get over here. Because he knew that I was doing stock removal classes. He didn't know that I was a blacksmith before, and I didn't really care. There's, there's, I think that, I think that the, the ultimately, when it really boils down to is whether you're telling the truth or not. I've had, I do 90% of my knives are stock removal. Probably even 95% of my knives are, I, you know what? 98% of my knives are stock removal. And it's because I'm trying to pass along savings and based on, you know, what, what I'm doing. Sometimes I'll have customers when they're posting pictures of my knives, they'll say, Jeff Fader forged this knife for me. And I'll always re- send them a message saying, oh, I didn't forge it. And I gave you all the notes. I, this is what forging is. This is what stock removal is. I want to be very crystal clear and be honest in what I've done. That's why when I when you order a knife from me, my customers get product process reports, uh, progress reports, and it goes through all the different steps in, in regards to what I do. So being honest and not lying is more important than, you know, you want to like, you know, you're trying to like, uh, you know, use these words as some sort of public relations thing. Yeah. That's a good point that you mentioned that maybe a customer has said, you know, Jeff forged this knife. Because the majority of the time, our customers, they don't have a clue how a knife is made. They just want a good knife. And, they, you know, they've seen pictures of your knives and so on. Um, so, again, we mentioned it earlier, but, you know, using certain tools to educate people who may be buying the knives or current customers. Um, I think it is important to, to share how we do things and not just to get more people into into the nearly said the art then it nearly into the uh hobby it's not even a hobby what 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 is it with the industry i suppose um the craft it, it is a the craft that's a good word that's a good word for it um as well as getting more and more people into the craft and and, and you know educating and sharing your process it's it's also the other side as well it is the customer them seeing exactly what they're getting for their money well um, this goes back to the whole idea I mentioned a few episodes ago about the soft-handed people. I refer to people who, who don't do anything as soft-handed people, and they don't know how anything's made. When I was in college and I was doing a lot of welding projects, people were like, this is black magic. And I would, I would, you know, we called, you know, a lot of shitty MIG welding was, was you know, black magic, voodoo, black, uh, welding voodoo, because we were, like, pulling something over <laughs> on someone, you know. And I think that a lot of people just don't have an idea of how things are done in general. Sure, I'll just read the next one. Uh, the next one is The Art of Craftsmanship. It says, hey man, can I ask you a question? What is the best type of hammer or hammers to use when forging out a blade? Love, love, love the show. He's also did doing... a whole show on hammers. We did. 
But you know, people aren't going to yeah. go back. So we'll just do a, we'll do a quickie. But Art of they Craftsmanship is doing a uh, build along, build along video. So it is. Yes. We're going to yes. call it the Knife Talk Build Along, Build Along, video. Knife build. Talk Build Along, Build Along video. Something like that. I mean, he's doing a good job. Doing a yeah. good job. Got that camera worked down. Doesn't like to clamp his knives down though. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does this. He wouldn't let it lie, would you? Well, I mean, look, I appreciate what he's doing, but you've got to clamp that knife down while you're drilling it, because otherwise, it's you're going to tell people that it's Helicopter City. And we're not associated with that kind of practice. But peace and love, peace and love, doing a great job. But look, we did we did an episode. I think it was called Hammers, Anvils, and Tongs, where Jeff did a deep dive. But just just go through it very quickly, Jeff. Well, what, 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 what... Mareka, what do you use? I use a cross peen, a straight peen, and a dog head hammer. All right. I use, uh, I used to use cross peen hammers. I used to only use three pound cross peen hammers. I was, a, I learned on Hoffy style hammers, the Czech style hammers. I am now a rounding hammer guy. I'm, I get, I have a three pound rounding hammer made by my buddy Sunset Forge. He also made me a companion cross peen. I think a two and a half pound to three pound hammer is perfect. Cross peen rounding hammer. That's really, but it gets to the point where, you know, Mareka's got a couple not hammers now and I got a shit ton of hammers. Everyone's different. All the cross peens, none of them are the same. Uh, some of them are fat peens. Silence. No one, nobody wants to take that one on. Huh? Some of them are thinner. Um, you're going to get different styles of rounding hammers, different styles of cross peens. Two and a half pound, three pound cross peen or rounding hammer is all you need. Okay, this one comes from Dan Pedersen. Balls to the goo, uh, soup spoon to the gooch. Hey guys, <laughs> what sort of product research and prototype testing have you put into your own knife designs? Have you given knives to other people to test out and give feedback? I have a few hunting knife designs that I want to tweak and refine. I'm wondering if it's worth giving prototypes away for that extra input. The goal for me is to have a solid design before I start processing a batch of knives. Thanks. Mm. What do you I do, do loads. I do loads. So I start off with getting a. Um, so all my designs are done on screen to begin with. Um, so first thing I'll do is print off to paper, cut them out, and just you know just just hold it in your hand, stick it onto a bit of thicker card, hold it in your hand, make sure the sizing's right and it, it feels good. Um, then I'll cut um, just like a mild steel. Um, just so it's got a bit of weight to it. Again, you can feel it and make any changes on screen. And each time you're refining it and you're just making those changes on screen and you're printing out again until you get something that feels really right. Um, but then once I'm happy with the design, then I'll go ahead and, and make a complete sort of prototype and you know finish it as if it's a, a customer knife. Um, I, I, I spend a lot of time in the kitchen anyway, and all my knives are kitchen knives, so I, I'll use it for a good few weeks even before you know I'd consider making more. Um, and, you know, I've, I've got friends now who work within that industry, work in the food industry and chefs and so on. So I'll generally – I don't make a bunch and give them out for free. But, you know, my, that one prototype will generally go around a few people um, and I get feedback that way. Um, but I don't I, – I mean, I work different to you two guys anyway. I don't do, you know, custom one-offs. Or my designs are the sort of, my sort of tried and tested um, that, I, that, that I'll continue doing. So it's slightly different for me. But yeah, I think it's really important to get them in the hands of the kind of people who are going to be using your knives, definitely. Absolutely. Sounds good to me. I, I worked in restaurants, and that's 
that's what has informed and cooking at home uh, has informed kind of my design as well as you know my training with Bob Kramer really helped kind of with my R&D uh, in design as well as processes um, but I think if you're looking to design like he's making a hunting knife it sounds like um, you know if you don't hunt yourself um, I think the best thing you can do is yeah just like Craig was saying is get those knives into the hands of the people who do hunt I, I would suggest not to just give them away I think you need to be very clear and intentional if you are gonna get a knife to somebody um, to be clear about what the exchange is gonna be you know you're working this is a prototype and you're working on developing design you need to be very clear about um, what you are, your expectations are uh, and and kind of like possibly even discuss a timeline because it's very easy for you to just hit somebody up and send them a knife and then they just disappear and you never hear from them ever again and so you don't want that to happen because one you you spent all that you spent time in developing that thing and now it's gone or making that thing and it's gone and then two you're not getting the feedback you need you're not getting the feedback you want mm. and so i think your you, expectations have to be clear and it that. needs to be good feedback too. Don't give it to your yeah. your partner to use because they're generally going to say, "Yeah, it's great, it's great." Put it in the hands of the right <laughs> people, so you're going to get real feedback and not just you know backslapping stuff. That's what I do. I give it to my business partner Tony. He's a he was a three star chef in New York. Yeah, and he fools, I give him a knife and he'll fool around with it and you say, "I like this. I didn't like this." Cool. 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 Well, you know what you should do if you're in the market for a grinder use the same grinder that I use. So I use the, the BG Pro from Clarix Metalworks. Um, they're made in Europe. They make everything in-house, even even the contact wheels. They're amazing, very, very flexible grinders. They can be used in the horizontal position as well as the vertical. They, the newest version now has a cast aluminium body, board reverses. They're, 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 they're brilliant. You can even choose the um, the holes for your tool arms, whether you want 1.5 inch or 30 mil, so you can use your, your old tool arms and tool rests and attachments, that kind of thing. They also make amazing attachments, which will fit any other grinder as well. So contact wheels, you know, the, the, the small wheels, the, the really big, large contact wheels. They, they, I think they do a 12-inch wheel as well. It's huge. Jeez. So go take a look at Clarix Metalworks. They've got some beautiful, beautiful stuff. I say I use mine every day. It's my go-to. I've got a bunch of grinders, but it's the go-to that I use for everything. Um, super flexible. Go take a look. ClarixMetalworks.com. They had a 20-inch wheel. Sorry? They had a 20-inch wheel. They've got a 20. Yeah. That thing looks like a, I mean, looks like a bicycle tire. Wowzers. Wowzers. Well, there you go. They got it all. Hey. Rolling on 20s. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We're erupting our sports guy. I love him. Hey, you. You know what you should do? You know what you should do? This is the bit where people send in tips, and we either agree with the tip or we'll say that's a really shit tip. Do you want to take the first one, Jeff? <laughs> this one comes from <clears throat> Alfredson Knives. If you have a problem with breaking bandsaw teeth when cutting a knife blanks with 2.5 millimeter thickness or less, spray glue two sheets together. The bandsaw will last longer and boost your productivity. So that, oh. that boy doubles up. Nice. Hadn't thought of that. That's one Sounds thing like... about those bandsaw blades that once you lose one, one tooth, oh, and yeah. that's where they're all going to go. It's like it it, sometimes like a... if you're cutting, if you're pushing too hard, they'll you'll see they'll just kind of like snap off. Yeah. It sounds like a teeth per inch issue as well, or I guess teeth, teeth per 
centimeter or whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you don't have enough, uh, basically, uh, if you look at the thickness of your steel stock, you should have at least two or three teeth, saw blade teeth, engaged with that surface at a time. Huh. If it's only one tooth or one and a half, you're very likely going to rip teeth out, especially if you're uh-huh. working with thinner stock, like 16th inch. And it's hard to um, to find a fine enough tooth blade, but you know if, even with a 24 teeth per inch blade, you're less likely to rip those teeth out because you have more teeth per per every inch. But right? don't they so, get dull? The teeth get dull, but what he's talking about is teeth, the actual teeth getting ripped off of the blade. But Isn't the it? but in my exp- I mean. I use the. I think I. I, I think I switched when after we had an episode. And you said you use fourteen teeth per per inch, and that's what I use. Yeah, I do but ten to fourteen. Also, right, and but on, that's on steel. We're you're, talking. Now, you're working yeah. with. Yeah, thicker. Stock, no, right? I, what are you talking about? I'm talking about. Steel. Oh no, I, th- I think that Craig's kind of angling into another sex situation here. No, what are you not, talking about? not at all. You've got, you've got it on the mind. You need to go and take a cold shower. No, we're talking, <laughs> teeth we're you talking cold steel here. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, we've got another one from Matt Campion. Here's a tip for people who complain about pricing try making a knife yourself. As a chef who is diving into knife making, it's a lot harder than it looks and takes a ton of skill. These awesome makers out there deserve to charge what they feel their work is worth. Here, here. And don't, Cheers, Matt. don't lace your customers. <laughs> you get that cabbage, too. So keep it here. Bitch to us. And get that cabbage, <laughs> get that money from your customer. All right. This next one is from our buddy Dan Bittinger Knives. He says, hey, guys. From my final step on a 600 grit satin finish, I cut a piece of gray scotch bright pad and wrap it around my sanding stick, just like sandpaper. I use it as my final grit progression. It can really smooth and even things out the same way scotch bright belts do on the grinder. So this must be, I miss it, for handle work? Um, no, I think for the blade. I think. I think he's doing it for the blade. For the blade, yeah, okay. yeah. Nice tip. Nice. Like that give. All right. This one comes from Ignatius Blades. Okay, cuties, a tip or trick to using a pinch. When your flap disc has just about died, grind that sucker's edge on a flat section of stone or concrete at 90 degrees. This will grind away some of the hard backing of the disc and expose more of the abrasive, giving a little extra life to your disc. But discs are cheap. All right, here we go. There we go. But discs are cheap through combat abrasives. Use promo code KNIFETALK10 and get you 10% off your purchase. <laughs> Top 10. Nice job, Ignatius. Nice job, Ignatius. <laughs> the last one is All from right. John Robertscraft. You know what you should do? Get that sexy smoker back asking about the best thing you've had in your mouth. This one. Hey, cuties. Oh, my God. What's the best thing you've had in your mouth this week? Especially for you, John. Calm yourself, John. Calm John, yourself. John Roberts working out a. Yeah, he's working a. He's working a reach around. Not a reach around. A, he's working out. He's doing a, a workaround. <laughs> you know, I was trying to say a workaround, and I said a reach around. He's trying to do a workaround to get us to do do his naughty talk. Do his bit. I see. You John, know, John, turn any noise off you've got in the shop. Put some headphones on. Ready. 
Hey, cuties. What's the best thing you've had in your mouth this week? I think he's no. Dead. No, we we need to we need to have a real conversation as a podcast. We need some sort of human resources because we have young children listening to this podcast. We do actually, and and I've noticed the last few weeks there's been a lot of cock jokes. We need to maybe dial things back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, and and I think that I think that I, unf- I believe it or not, I think that I should be the head of human resources for this podcast. <laughs> I don't believe between it. sex chicken over and or, or over over there, <laughs> and then let's just bring up the fact that Craig's writing songs for fourteen-year-old boys. Whoa, 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 whoa! Let's just let I, I didn't know at the time he was fourteen. That, that's fine. That doesn't stand up in court, I know. But that's a, I mean, yeah. it's fine. You did, and 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 it's not your fault, honestly. I don't think it's your fault. It's my fault as head of human resources. I think that from now on, we need. A couple episodes ago, Craig wrote a, a ballad. Maybe it wasn't a ballad, but a song not for one of our it, no. one of our listeners to get him back. And thank God, you didn't say anything too rude. Thank God. I look. I look. Oh my God. That's right. I'm not going to play it now. Oh, good. Yeah, of course. It's Exhibit A. So <laughs> so I was doing a live stream, and somebody, I think it was the boys from Knife Talk, uh, Knife Talk Down Under, from, from uh, Knife Being Down Under said, Schwabi's only 14. And that was wow. a shocker to me and to you. And from now on, we're, we thank God you didn't say anything too bad. And I'm yeah. with you. But from now on, any engagement we have with our 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 our, our listeners, you gotta you gotta you gotta submit two forms of ID because I can't we can't do this anymore. And as head of human resources, between sex chicken and the ballad guy, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that this is a hundred percent, you know, appropriate. Who would have thought Jeff would be the moral compass of this show? It's it's no, it's unfortunate sure. and surprising of all time. I mean, it's super surprising, and. You know, a little disappointed. I'm disappointed in the both of you that I'm the one. I should be the one that you should be writing up demerits and stuff. Send all emails to hr at jefffader.com. That's right. That's right. Community yeah, that's Showcase. Right. There you go. Ready? This is the time where we give some love to people in the community that we think that you should be following. What do you got, guys? I've just found one this afternoon, actually, um, while I've been looking around to see what, what inspires me. Um, and it's a knife maker from Poland. Um, his name is, I'm going to kill this, Arta oh Sinelski. I think it's Sinelski. Um, and he's on Instagram as Raptor Arta. And we put this down in the show notes because it, we don't want to be spelling things out. But um, he makes like all different types of knives. So, I mean, looking at his feet, he's got some chef knives, he's got some bushcraft knives, hunting knives, and so on. But one of the most recent knives he's done is where he took one of his um, fixed blades. And he converted it into a friction friction folder, and it's really, really beautiful. So it looks like a sort of bushcraft-style blade, which he's now as a friction folder. It looks really nice. So go take a look. It's Raptor Arta. Um, I will spell it. R-A-P-T-O-R-A-R-T-U-R. And I think he's he's young. I think he's young. He's from Poland. Um, he, He doesn't have that many followers, but his work is really, really clean. His photography is really nice as well. There's quite a few handpicks on there, which Jeff won't approve of, but the Fine. the actual work is beautiful. <laughs> so go take a look. I'm so happy with Mar- what Moreco just put in. Go ahead. I'm so happy. Jamie Bishop. 
This is the Sausage Man Forge on Instagram. He's a great guy. Uh, he's from Australia, super talented. Uh, he actually, I met him for the first time at Blade Show last year um, in, in Atlanta, and he present, he showed me a chef's knife, and he's like, he was very nervous, and he handed it to me, and I looked at it, and I was like, this is a fucking nice chef's knife. I'd be super happy to be using this knife. Um, he's very talented, but they just had the, uh, shit, I can't remember. Oh, the, the show in Perth, um, down in Australia. And, um, and he sure shit, he had a, 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 a skillet full of sausage that I don't know if he cooked it inside the show or if he ran outside and he's got some, like a camp stove off the back of his car or something like that but he had it in there walking around giving people sausage but anyways you should go follow him he's a super nice guy I think he's he's is he he's either part of the uh knife making down under or or he's a regular contributor to the show he's at a least. guest he's, he's a, a guest. guest he's yeah, a great like, guy and, and, like you and, on black myth pub right yeah, and he's he Sausage Man Forge. He's a good dude, and he's got a big old beard with a long like a ponytail on his beard. And Kev from Knife Making Down Under called him called him. I don't know if this is the normal nickname for him. They they call him Sausage Man. Him and Mert and and Corin call him Sausage Man. But Kev started calling him Saucy, and I'm hoping that that's the mm. new his new nickname because I love to call him Saucy. Great dude. I like I, he's such a good guy. Good Very guy. Good Jamie guy. Bishop, the Sausage Man Forge. Sausage. What have you got, Jeff? I got. Uh, I, we might have done this before, but I don't care. Um, Steve Ovenshire, Ovenshire underscore knives, is such a good guy, and he's been making beautiful knives for a long time. But he's also been making knives for like TV and movies. He made a knife that was that The Rock had in I think it was one of those goofball Jumanji movies, and then he just made a knife that. Um, the guy who was in Star, the Star Trek TV show. Who's that guy? You know, the guy who, the bald guy from Star Trek. Who's the bald guy from Star Trek? Who's <laughs> oh, Professor yeah. X? Professor oh, Xavier. I... What's that guy's name? John Stewart. Not John Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Oh, Patrick Stewart. That's the... <sighs> I, I, that was, that was, my brain Captain was falling Kurt. out there. So I guess Patrick Stewart's in a new Star Trek movie. Picard. and Picard. Okay, there you, now you come in after I went through f- fucking John Stewart. So... Steve made Steve made a knife that was on Patrick Stewart's belt in the new Star Trek show. He's a great guy, but he's been doing all these. It's so super cool to see him posting pictures of knives he's making that are in movies. So that's super cool, and he's such a good guy. And Obenshire underscore knives, great guy. There we go. We got beat. It's a rootin' tootin' cowboy there. Damn right. <laughs> Never forget. These, the bits where we talk about what has grinded our gears this week, um, and gears is good for me this week because I'm talking about driving. I've spent quite a bit of time on, on the motorways, and people in really bad weather, like high wind, lots of rain, right up your butt. They're, they're, like, they're hanging off your bumper. Oh, yeah. wow. Just thinking, what the hell? You're doing sort of 80, 90, and they're... You know, there's no way in the world they'd be able to stop if you were to stop. So these idiots, they're generally in BMWs. Um, they've always got shirt and tie on. They're, they're probably sales reps, traveled them down the country, right up your behind. What the hell are you doing? You know, it's, it's going to happen one day. It's going to be a big, big accident. And I just think life's too short to be doing stuff like that. Take your time. No yeah. rush. Take it easy. Sir, 
I started to get nervous and I might have to call human resources, but fine. Well, I'm going to let you pass on that one. I'm talking about up your bum, up your butt. Well, what if you, I call it smoking your tailpipe. Riding your ass yeah. so hard they're smoking your tailpipe. All right. We're, it's we're it's just great. They're probably on their phone as well. They're playing with their radio. You just say, oh, idiots. Absolute mm-hmm. idiots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rekka, what do you got? Uh, so we, we were talking about uh, the tooling and stuff and handmade and stuff. And um, it made me think about how frustrated I get by a, a lot of the people I see who are who make those comments. Like to you, Jeff, about, oh, now you make a real knife. It's like, fucker, can you even make a knife? So, I don't know. I just wish they would shut the hell up and not have anything to say unless they can actually try to do it themselves. Uh, it's it's the same kind of shit you see, like, on America's Got Talent or Britain's Got Talent. They got Simon Cowell on there being an asshole, but he can't even sing a fucking note. So... I don't know. I, I hate that kind of criticism, that armchair criticism. It's easy to sit back and talk shit, but until you're getting dirty and you're doing it yourself, what what the hell? Like, you're not really contributing anything. But if you... Yeah, kind fuck, of, fuck Simon Cowell, too. <clears throat> well, human resources. <laughs> I'm call, we, we, who are you fucking now? What is going on here? <laughs> what is going on here? I, I will say if you... I think my opinion is, is I, I try to think about... I try to think about what is said and what is meant. And I think a lot of times we read things and we don't see the root of what it means, what it's coming from. And it's a lot of times when I see negative stuff or something aggressive, like a guy wrote to me to try to make a he's trying to make a joke about my sculpture and he says that looks like two turds or something like testicles or whatever. And I, and he said JK at the end and I, and I and I could and I looked at it and I was just like he's trying to make a joke or he's trying to elicit I always think that a lot of these guys are trying to elicit a response and I think that yeah. they're either something good or something bad I think a lot of times people are looking for engagement I don't really see it as a personal issue I don't see it as somebody who's been watching you in your shop for a long time I always try to look at it and strip back and what's the benefit of what he's saying and it always comes down to they're looking for attention they want your attention mm. That's my opinion. Even if it's negative. Yeah, it's, you know, look, these motherfuckers. Okay. Um, I would like to beef about something that happens all the time. And Tony Tony gets mad at me because, you know, we try to steer our customers to the website because it gets you into our system and then we can kind of go back and forth and then, or they can buy something. And then what happens is every so often, you know, it takes a while because we get a lot of orders and something comes up or holidays or whatever. So I got a message from a guy, DM from a guy who was asking about the price of a particular oyster knife. And um, I said, well, you got it. And Tony's been very strict with me. He's like, he doesn't want me answering any DMs. He wants me to just ignore them, but I, I can't control myself. It's like I can't, when the phone rings, I got to pick it up. I'm, I'm crazy. So this guy said, I said, well, you got to go through the website. And he goes, I went through the website and I submitted three, two forms. One was six months ago and one was a month ago and I'm not getting anywhere with it. And I wanted this for Christmas and da, 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 da. So when I get someone who gets in my DMs and gives me Fritz, I usually screen cap it and send it to Tony. And Tony will say, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to me? And, and then, and then he says, I'll look it up. I'll figure out what happened. So it turns out that the guy, he said he wanted it for a Christmas present. He put it in a month ago, right? Well, it turns out he put it in two days before Christmas. He lied. And he hadn't done another one in, in six months ago. I and mean, we can, you know, it's very easy to kind of find these people. 
these the people who go through your DMs to give you any type of fritz or any type of or you know I was trying to give you business. Ninety nine percent of the time, they will not buy anything. And the Tony says, just to let you know what I go through. I took the screen cap, I engaged with them, we went back and forth and back and forth, and he goes to this. Meanwhile, he's giving me, you know, lip about, you know, my customer service for not getting to him fast enough. It's the people in the DMs, with very few exceptions, who will just jerk you around without, I should have used a better expression, but fine. And uh, it's like, please... Just stop with the nonsense. Don't, you're wasting my time, and you're wasting other people's time, and you're wasting your own time, and you look like a douchebag. And then you get flagged. Flagged is an idiot. You know, the last, I'd say, probably probably six weeks to eight weeks, two months, um, I just haven't really been reading my DMs it, because the way I do jobs is slightly different now. I'm not taking no individual orders and so on. Um, and most of the time, it's, it is just yeah, just time wasting stuff. And I just, I just very rarely even look at DMs now. Now you know, I've got a little pointer there telling me how many unread I've got. I just like, well, I don't know. There's more important things. I think I'm, I'm, I'm doing less and less on Instagram um, as as time's getting on, um, and preferring to do stuff via newsletter and that kind of thing because they seem to be the people who who are buying as opposed to Instagram. And I suppose that's. Part of doing, the, you know, a show like this because a lot of the uh, followers are, you know, they're, they're makers themselves, so that they're, they're not buying. Um, but yeah, I just think I used to put in so much effort into Instagram and seeing very little in return, whereas putting that effort elsewhere seems to be seems to be working. So yeah, yeah maybe don't get so hung up about your DMs. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But that's twice I also know based once. on your I also noticed that you did the sexy egg poke on your on your Instagram. Oh yeah. On my personal Instagram. Yeah. You know, right. I invented the egg poke. And Get I, the fuck out of here. I invented the egg poke. <laughs> you certainly as did a not. I was if you look at egg poke the hashtag, I did the first. And since then some some lady's gone and written a, a book about like, hundred ways to do eggs and she mentions the egg poke and I'm like, ah. Wait, me, you're telling me, me that you invented the hashtag egg poke? Yes, yeah. And then she took your your the hashtag egg poke and made it her own? Exactly, yeah. So you invented the word, not the action. Yeah, oh yeah, obviously. I mean, poking okay. an egg is you know, it's a delightful thing. Everybody should well, try it she, at least once a week. If you want, we can send her an email of cease and desist. <laughs> yeah, egg poke is my hashtag. Yeah, egg poke. Uh, Get your own shit, you, mo- you moron. <laughs> For those who don't know what an egg poke is, by the way, it's a you need to poach an egg. And in slow motion, you need to film the burst of the egg. That's so gross. Down. It's super it's, gross. It's a thing of beauty. <laughs> it's disgusto. It's disgusto. I, I, that whole sex and food thing, you've got to not do that anymore. I mean, it's like it's like the guy we talked about. It's like the guys who squeeze the brisket. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Se- where, does, where does sex come into? What's wrong with you, Jeff? Uh, excuse so, me. Talking about Are you telling me? Wait, wait, wait a second. Now. Let's let me tell tell me something. When you slow motion the the egg yolk oozing out, you're not you're not saying that's some sort of sexual thing. No, not at all. Get not the fuck out of here! Come on, man. Come on, I'm not writing you up. I am writing you up. Writing you up. I'm writing you up. Totally, it's the same guys who do the stupid. And did you ever find out the the brisket guys who do the twerking? I did. I did have a look. Yeah, that's it's the same stupid. thing. That's Inappropriate. Stupid. stupid. <laughs> you're right. 100% right, so let's, let's have a look. What, what, what are we up to? <sighs> this coming week. 
inviting both of you up for the next episode. You both take the merits. I like that. <laughs> Mareka, what's the what's the dream for the week? Where do you want to be this time next week? Oh, let's see. I'm hoping I actually so I got that knife. Um, I'm going to be heat treating. I'm going to get that ground, and uh, and I'll be looking at the pattern. Uh, it's actually a, a revisit to my briar patch pattern uh, that I did like over a year ago. Um, this is only the second time I've actually made it, and um, so getting a look at that, and then I'm actually getting ready to get a handle on a knife today, and so I'm hoping to get some sculpting done tomorrow should be real nice so um just making good progress <laughs> more than anything nice. nothing too special jeff what's the dream <laughs> stop talking like that are you gonna get john robert john's gonna get all fired up too <laughs> come on man whoever that guy was don't get all all right um i actually have uh on valentine's day i have two butchers coming to the shop and we're going to oh, sexy <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> we're going to egg poke. No. <clears throat> we're going to, uh, I'm going to do, uh, my partner and these two butchers are going to come up and we're going to, we're going to, uh, look into doing a new, another, I'm doing two, I'm kind of doing two signature series, at, developing them at the same time and we'll kind of put them together. So I'm looking forward to them coming up and, uh, we're going to talk sausage pricks. You know about a sausage prick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Do you know about that? Do you know about that? Sausage pricks? You're doing this no, I'm on not purpose. I'm not kidding. Now. You're doing this on purpose. <laughs> no, I'm talking 100%. So when they make sausage, they have a little pricker. A three pro- it's like a sharp prick. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is a real thing. How, how like big a, are these pricks? A fucking inch. <laughs> it's a... Um, this is, you know, this does not count as uh, human resources because it's true. When they make the sausage and it comes out of the thing, they have to prick the the skin, so for for so I guess air come out or something. So we're going to talk about sausage pricks. Okay. I'm not kidding. Okay. Hundred <laughs> percent. Totally. Hundred percent true. My dream this week is that I unpack this bloody car and I've got everything <laughs> that I need. Everything that I need. So I, I got the, I put the even heat in the car. I put a bunch of files, um, all the stuff that I need to be doing, vices and so on. So I'm I'm hoping I've got everything I need. If not, I'm out shopping. You have your Clarex BG Pro. I know. I, I know. So the situation I'm in at the moment is with those uh, the sustainable knife thing that I did. Um, so it's hundred knives. Um, the first step is going to be now to do all the file work before I heat treat them. Um, so that's a hundred knives to do file. That's, that's blister city that, you know, I'm going to be blistered to hell. But um, so I'm giving myself a month to do the all the file work and all the heat treat on those hundred knives. So I'm not breaking my back um, until I get back into the workshop because I've got a three month turnaround on these knives. So... Yeah, so that's the plan. Um, by the end of the by the end of February, I'll have them all filed and heat treated. So I'm just hoping that I've got everything that I need because when I packed this car, it was dark, <laughs> I was tired, um, and we didn't have enough space to put an extra stamp in the car. It was full. So yeah, hopefully I've got everything, but I'm sure we will. Mm-hmm. That's a show. That's a show. We've well, we've covered everything today. I think from murder suspects to um, sausage pricks to. <laughs> 
everything it's in true. between. <laughs> we shall speak to you all next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.